0: Exodus chapter 3, we'll be looking together at verses 1 through 15. Let's give our attention now to the Word of God. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, our God, we thank you for the revelation of yourself in the word, and we pray that this very night you would open our eyes and stop our ears soften our hearts, that we might receive your truth, that we might revel in the glory of that truth, and that we might delight ourselves this very night in the great I am, who is our God and the God of our fathers. We thank you and pray for your blessing now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, for those of you who were here last week, you know that this month we are going to be dealing with a short series of sermons on the names of God in Scripture. Now, we began last week with the name Elohim. And somebody asked me after the evening service, where did you come up with that name, And I quickly realized that I had failed to explain that Elohim is a Hebrew word for God. And it is Elohim that is so often translated in our English translations by capital G, lowercase o-d. So a typical expression of God but with a capital G and lowercase o-d is the name Elohim. Now we're not going to have time in this brief series to treat all the different names by which God reveals himself in the scriptures. But here's just a few of the more common ones that you can recognize from your English translations. So we're looking tonight at the name Jehovah, literally Yahweh. And we say Jehovah. And that is a a translation that is reflected in Lord, in our English translations, all caps. So L-O-R-D in all caps. That is Yahweh or Jehovah. Then you have the combination of these names. So when you have Lord in all caps, followed by God, capital G, lowercase o-d, you've got a combination, Jehovah, Elohim. So you got that, all right? We know what's Jehovah, we know what's Elohim. You put them together, and you got Jehovah, Elohim. But... If you happen to see Lord spelled with a capital L, lowercase O-R-D, that's the name Adonai. And then we have the interesting twist that when the Jews read Lord, all caps, Jehovah, they would read that word, but they would say... Adonai, And they did so because they wanted to avoid at all cost using the name of Jehovah, the name of the Lord, in vain. Brothers and sisters, we do not need to fear saying, reading, pronouncing the name Jehovah, Yahweh. Because that is the name that God chose to reveal himself to his people. And so when we we see this name, we can rejoice and we can glory in that name. Because it says something to us about our God. Now if you were here last week, you know that the term Elohim was used quite frequently. Two thousand. 250 times to be precise. The name Jehovah is used almost three times that. 6,823 times. My friends, if we get nothing else, it should be this that this is the name God chooses. To make himself known by. This is the name that God wants to use. And the name that he prefers to reveal his person and his being. Quickly, if you remember last week, Elohim communicated four things about the person of God. Number one, he was the creator. So Genesis 1... Mostly is where we see Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Secondly, Elohim spoke that the fact that he was the only God. He was the true and living God and there was no Elohim besides him. Two different chapters in Isaiah make that point. Thirdly, it speaks to us of the fact that God is triune. The very nature of the term is plural. So here is this one God speaking in plural terms, using plural pronouns, let us make man in our image. And while it's not a full-blown doctrine of the Trinity, it's certainly the foundation of it. And then lastly, we saw that Elohim speaks of God as the personal God, a God of the covenant. I will be your Elohim and the Elohim of your children. This is the covenant language that God uses to Abraham. Now, Jehovah likewise speaks in a number of a number of distinctives about who God is. And we're going to look at three in particular. Number 1, Jehovah is the God who is And we'll look at that more closely in just a moment. Secondly, Jehovah is the God of truth and righteousness. And thirdly, Jehovah is the God of redemption. So let's look at these three things. First, Jehovah, the God who is. And you might be Listening to me at this moment, or you've read this this title that we have for our first point, and you're saying, what exactly does that mean, the God who is? Well, the explanation is not an easy one, especially when we see how God chose to identify himself to Moses in the text that we've read tonight. So in Exodus 3, we have a scene that is probably well known to most, if not all of you. It's a simple story of Moses minding his own business, keeping his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the, the desert. And all of a sudden, God decides to appear To Moses. And he does so in the form of a bush. That's on fire. But is not consumed. It just keeps burning. And so Moses is drawn to this. And as he draws near. Here's what I want you to notice in particular. The different names for God. As they are described here. Look at. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. So when the Lord saw Jehovah, that he turned aside to look, God, Elohim, called to him from the midst of the bush. In verse 6, moreover, he said, I am the God, Elohim, of your father, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face. And then verse 7, And Jehovah, the Lord, said, I have seen the oppression of my people. Now, at the risk of stating the obvious, I want us just to be clear. And it is quite significant that this God who saw, who spoke, who reveals himself and his compassion for his people, though called by different names, is the same God. We don't have multiple gods here speaking. It's the same God. It's the one God, the one true God. And yet at one point, it's Jehovah Saul. And at another, it's Jehovah said. And at another, I am the Elohim of your father and of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then God continues in the following verses from verse 7. He says, I have seen the oppression of my people. I have come down to deliver them. See again this, this personal involvement This is not a God who's off there in the distance. He is one who comes near to his people. He is a God who speaks into their lives. He is a God who sees their pain and their struggles. He is a God who gets involved, if you will, in their lives. He is a God of of personal covenanting with his people. He comes down, and then he tells Moses, come, I will send you. This is God speaking. I will send you to Pharaoh. And you know that in verse 11, Moses objects and says, you know, I'm not the man. I'm just not, I'm not the guy. I understand that you want to deliver your people, but but it's not going to be through me. And God says, Moses, I will be with you. And that calms Moses' own heart and removes his objections. And then Moses says, in verse 13, when I come to the people of Israel and I say, the God of your fathers has appeared to me. And Moses asks this question. They are going to say to me, end of verse 13, what is his name? And what shall I say to them? And God answers the question with these words in verse 15. Moses. Ask the question, what is his name? Well, verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And you shall say to them, I am has sent me to you. Now, brethren, this is where it gets real interesting. If someone were to ask you, what is your pastor's name? You would give them a proper name, a noun. Deckard Stevens, Matt Purdy. If someone were to ask you your name, you would respond with a proper name, a noun. But you realize, when Moses says, They're going to ask me, what is his name? And God says, my name is I am. Moses doesn't answer. I mean, God doesn't answer with a noun. He answers with a verb. (laughs) I am is the first person singular of the Hebrew verb for being. It's a verb. Who has a name like that? I am. That's what God tells Moses to say. In other words, God says the best way for you to think about me, who I am, is that I am the God who is. The God who is always present. Now, here's an opportunity for some extra credit. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Does that language, I am the God who is... If you're thinking of Revelation chapter 1 and the vision of John on the Isle of Patmos of the Lord Jesus Christ, remember this is Jehovah speaking, I am. I am the God who is. And what does Jesus say to John when he sees him? He says, I am the one who is and the one who who was. <clears throat> and the one who is to come. I am the eternal God. I am the God who is ever-present. I am the one who is, the one who never changes, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a wonderful combination of terms that our catechism uses when it answers the question, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. It's almost the very language that God is using before Moses. Brethren, Jehovah is the eternal God. Now the name Elohim taught us that God was the creator. That God was the only true God. That God was the triune God. And that God was the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. But my friends, Jehovah takes us into uncharted waters. The name Jehovah is designed to show us who God is. That we might know him and know him accurately. This Elohim in Exodus 3 says, My name is Jehovah. My name is the great I am. And by that name, I will be known throughout all generations. This is not just something that happened thousands of years ago in the deserts of Midian. This is the same truth that speaks to us today. Our God is Jehovah, Yahweh. He is the ever-present, eternal, ever-existent God, the great I Am. And when you stop to think about it, it's no surprise that the Jews wanted to stone Jesus in John 8 and verse 58 because Jesus said, Before Abraham was... I am. There was no ambiguity about what they understood Jesus to be saying. Jesus was claiming to be the same God that spoke to Moses in the desert, saying, I am is my name. Well, secondly, I want us to think about Jehovah not only as the God who is, and granted, there, there's a mystery, a shroud about this, this language. How, how can we even fathom this kind of God? But there's more. We see Jehovah as a God of truth and righteousness. Righteousness. Now, if you think about what we said about Elohim, Elohim is used exclusively. It's the only name for God throughout Genesis 1. And it reveals a God who made us, a God who made the entire created cosmos. He is a God who blesses us with life. He is a God who calls us into covenant with himself. But, my friends, In Genesis 2 and 3, there's an addition. Turn back to Genesis chapter 2 and really throughout the chapter, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 2 and going all the way through chapter 3, we have not just Elohim every reference to God speaking or acting in Genesis 2 and 3 is always the Lord God. In other words, Jehovah Elohim. So God is now expanding the knowledge of his creatures about himself. He's not just the creator God. He's not just a, the covenanting God. He is Jehovah Elohim. And what we see here in this addition is not just, that, and not to minimize that, but it's not merely that God loves us and calls us out of our sin into covenant relationship with himself. Here, we see that God is a God of righteousness and that as a righteous God, he demands righteousness in those that would draw near to him. Notice, what is the very first thing God does having created man having blessed him with a garden for his enjoyment and for the meeting of his needs, what's the first thing that God does? Look at verse 16 of chapter 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. My friends, now Jehovah Elohim doesn't just manifest his power and his glory, even his love for mankind to redeem them. But now he commands him to do his holy will. And then when man fails to keep that will and those commandments, what does he do? He pronounces judgment upon sin, upon the serpent, and upon the woman, and upon the man. And then he promises deliverance from that sin. We're going to get to those things in just a few moments. But this revelation of God as a God of truth and righteousness continues to to unfold like a a flower coming into full bloom. As as we go on and, and in a few chapters we're going to see the Passover lamb. A substitute, blood must be shed for the sins of men and for redemption. We're going to see the giving of the law in in Exodus 20. God spelling out in detail his holy will for his people. But we're going to concentrate for the moment upon this first place where we find the name Jehovah. In Genesis 2 and 3 and here's what's so striking about this in every reference to god in genesis 2 and 3 it's always not elohim but the lord god jehovah elohim that occurs every time god acts with two exceptions. When Satan speaks of God, in chapter 3, verse 1, and again in verse 5, he only says Elohim. And when Eve parleys with Satan about what God said regarding the tree, she only uses Elohim. This morning in Sunday school, we had a, a very poignant comment about Satan in the garden. When we think about what he said to Eve, you, you're, you don't need God. You're going to be like God if you eat of that tree. But my friends, it's not so, what, so much what Satan said to Eve. As to what he didn't say, every other reference is Jehovah Elohim. When Satan speaks of God, it's just Elohim. One writer puts it this way he says, it's almost as if they shut their eyes to the righteousness which God demanded and only focused on his love. That's what Satan did in the garden. And is that not exactly what Satan continues to propagate in our day and age today? How many times do you hear people say, oh, oh, God is a God of love. He's not a God of anger. He's not a God of judgment. He's not here to judge you. He understands your needs. And the biggest thing is he wants you to be happy. And whatever it takes, that's that's what God wants for you. He loves you. There's not a word about anger or God's wrath or the judgment of sin. We sing that hymn by Wesley of Arise, My Soul, Arise. And I've told you before that when Wesley penned that hymn, the liberals of his day were furious because of the fourth verse. My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. And they say, we'll have none of that. God doesn't need to be reconciled. He loves us, but he does need to be reconciled. And he was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And through that shed blood, he is reconciled. My friends, I trust that what you can see and see clearly here is that a proper biblical view of God demands more than just thinking he loves me. He demands all that the scriptures have to say. That here is not just the God who created us and who loves us and wants us to go to heaven, but here is a God, the Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, who commands us, who leads us, as the psalmist said in Psalm 23, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? He is a loving God, but he's also a holy God. He is a God who like Elohim, calls us into his presence and into a covenant relation, but he is also Jehovah who demands that we be holy as he is holy. So Jehovah opens up a whole new realm of understanding about who God is, the great I am, The holy God who calls us into fellowship and righteousness and truth. Well, the third point then stands out all the more that Jehovah is the God of redemption. I don't need to illustrate for you the fact that the scriptures reveal God as a holy God. Or that he demands holiness of those that would come near to him. And especially those who would spend eternity with him. However, one staggering truth that is revealed here in the name of Jehovah is this. That God is not content to be holy Himself, nor is he satisfied with merely making known the requirement that man must be holy in order to have fellowship with God. What we see here is Jehovah who is actively and purposefully engaged with all his divine wisdom and power to make his people holy so that they may enjoy fellowship with him through his redeeming grace. This Jehovah doesn't just say, here's the requirement, do the best you can because we all know what would happen if that was the end of the story not one of us would know fellowship with God because we could not meet that perfection and requirement. But God says, I am going to make you holy, this Jehovah Elohim. Now, this this is especially interesting because of what we see in Exodus 6. So if you turn over a few chapters to Exodus 6 and verse 2, we have these words. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Jehovah. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, or Jehovah, Yahweh, I was not known to them. Now, like I said, this is a pretty interesting language. God says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. But by my name, Jehovah, I was not known to them. But my friends, we've already seen God speaking, God revealing himself as Jehovah Elohim in Genesis. Adam and Eve knew God as Jehovah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew God. As Jehovah, Noah knew God as Jehovah. So, what's different now? What's different in Exodus 6 that God says, By my name Jehovah, I was not known to them? What's different is God is getting ready. To redeem his people out of the land of Egypt. And you know this word redeem means to buy back. The picture is that of a slave on an auction block. And someone is able to buy him and give him his freedom. They could redeem him from his debt. So that he would not have to be a slave anymore. And God, Jehovah, was getting ready to redeem his people Israel out of the land of Egypt. What I think we see here is they knew him by the name Jehovah, but they didn't fully understand it, they didn't see it in its fullness, in its richness. Because Jehovah's more than just the eternal God, the ever-present I am. He's more than a God of truth and righteousness that makes known His holy law to His people. He realizes, my friends, that we are lost and undone. And there is no way we can meet the requirement. And so He comes. To redeem us, to deliver us from our slavery to sin and to Satan. Our God, ladies and gentlemen, young people, try to take hold of this. Our God is the Lord, He is Jehovah. He is a God of redemption who so loved us that he provided a way for sinners to become righteous in his sight and therefore accepted in the Beloved multiple passages that communicate this think of the the wonderful promises of ezekiel 36 when god says i will take away your heart of stone and i will give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk according to my statutes That's Jehovah. That's a God of redemption who does not leave us to perish. But he says, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And even more striking, perhaps, is the prophecy of Jeremiah 23 and verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah writes, Behold, the days are coming, says The Lord, Jehovah, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. My friends, there is not a shadow of doubt that this is the Lord Jesus Christ promised by God. To come and redeem his people. And listen to the last phrase. And this is his name by which he will be called. This is the name by which Jesus will be called. The Lord, Jehovah. Our righteousness. It's not our righteousness that makes us acceptable to God. It's Jehovah. The Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah, our righteousness. My friends, it is in Christ that the riches, the wonder of the name of Jehovah comes into full view, unfolds like that full-blown rose, unfolds before our view. And the very words of the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here is the name Jehovah, the God who is. God of truth and righteousness. We cannot diminish that. But a God of redemption who comes to us in the person of Christ and redeems us to himself. What praise and honor and glory we should give to our God, the Lord, our righteousness. Let all those who love your name exult in you. Let's pray together. Oh, blessed God, how we praise you, how we thank you for this glorious revelation of yourself, the great I am. We need not fear that you will ever change or that you will cease to love us. For you have loved us with an everlasting love. And in time you have drawn us to yourself through faith in Jesus Christ. We bless you and we thank you for the wisdom and riches of your grace to us in Christ. Would you bless these words to our hearts tonight and cause us to exult in the Lord our God. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Take a few moments as we think about the glories set before us in the name of Jehovah.